production of the Toe Network. This is the Uncommon Cast number 212. That banana's still rotten. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Common Rider Zio, episode 11, Zio on Parade, and episode 12, Me with My Stage. It's one of those things where it's me, and then the letter X, and then my stage. Yeah, I never... That's a tough one. I know it's a. I know it's usually used with collaborations, like the Smash Brothers and Persona Five, and it'll have the X. And I'm assuming it me. It basically means with. So that's what I'm gonna say. It is me with my stage. Uh, our writer is Mori Nobuhiro, and our director is Moroda Satoshi. Bless them both. They actually kept my attention. Yeah. Okay. Now, Sono, you just brought it up, so. I just have to ask, since you've been talking about how you just got it all over the Twitters, how is Smash Ultimate, for the record? It is very, very fun. I am very much enjoying it. I'm definitely going to keep streaming it, because that was an absolute blast. Anyone is welcome to come on stream and fight me, and absolutely destroy me. Or not, I don't know. I don't know what your skill level is, but I'm, I haven't played since N64. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of things to do. I'm having fun unlocking people. Uh, the story mode is fun. It's a good time. I would definitely, if you're on the fence and waiting for someone's opinion, waiting for someone to recommend it to you, I would recommend it. Right on. Once I get a Switch, it's, it's on the list. Nice. But first, I have to get the switch. So, but uh, moving on from there, back to the purpose of this podcast, because goodness knows there's a non-zero chance that we'll just get running on some kind of tangent before the end of this. Um, I just want to say that that surprising myself, I actually had a couple, like one moderatively substantive thought to put up front here. So I'm I'm just going to jump into that, and and that thought is that the that for all. I enjoy a unified writer verse that, in some circumstances, as sort of like the core thing that makes this series work, or that makes some of the the big fanficy crossover films work. Like it's fun there, but when you stop and try and put it into the shows proper, it doesn't make any sense. Once you want anything more than let's have all my favorite toys hang out and these two episodes illustrate that perfectly. Because we're, we're going to talk more about God Kota later on, though I do want to mention up front here that God Mai is conspicuously absent, as she has been in every callback to Gaim since basically the end of Gaim. Maybe she's in the Gaim Gaiden movies, I don't know, I never watched them. I know she was but, briefly in Gaim Drive. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, telling Mitchy to go do a thing, yeah. and that he was basically never wrong, and whatever. I'm not gonna go there. Y'all know how yeah, I feel. especially since he was the most wrong all the time. Y'all know how I feel, I don't need to restate this. Yeah, but getting back to that, I, I just want, just as, as we're, as I'm framing this up, I do want to remind everyone that the narrative surrounding Kamen Rider Gaim, and specifically Kota Kazuraba, who is uh, the guy we're going to be meeting in this episode, that's a story where a bunch of scientists built Kamen Rider belts and and the little, the little lock seed things because a bunch of weird plant life was invading, and the human race was absolutely, and without question, going to go extinct within five years. So, and then, because they couldn't make enough of these belts to save more than 10% of the population, they decided to create a complicated scheme 
wherein Satan would dress up as a DJ and convince children to compete in dance-off while using the sapient seedlings of the weird invading plant life as Pokemon for haha fun time battles. And then at one point during this whole like quest to find the 10% that we were going to save, um, the Japanese headquarters of the corporation formed to do this whole common Rider Belt save 10% of the people thing, um, opened up, and a bunch of lasers and junk were fired down on the city below. At one point in the show, multiple nuclear bombs were launched, like, all over the world, murdering most of the planet, like, most of the human beings, at least, and probably most of the non-human creatures as well. So just, you know, FYI. Um, that's, that's the context here, so what I'm saying is that even as I found the manner in which the conflicts were shot, were solved in that show, Common Rider Gaim, to be narratively unsatisfying, it all happened in that show. That is all the text of the show. That's not like extra canonical, that's not extra textual stuff being grandfathered in as canonical. That is the literal things that happened in that show. And it's also a bunch of things that has clearly not happened if Kota never put on that belt according to Common Rider Zio. And look, not to get all continu continuity nerd here, but, um, well, actually, I think you'll find that unlike a lot of series where I guess you could argue that the baddies could probably have remained in hiding somehow had they not been pushed into the limelight by the presence of the hero, like, this one posited a relatively specific end date and at no point said, oh, by the way, this specific end date of like within five years the human race will be extinct because of this this invasive plant species like that was never revealed to be fake we are now five years out from the start of gaim aka you know again when the human race should be basically extinct and like i don't feel we saw another gaim go and do all that world savey stuff in the meanwhile you know which is always the biggest problem with any kind of big unified writer verse outside of your your silly mega fanficy stuff like crossover movies or you know this show you can't have those big crossovers given the way things are structured in the show now without invalidating a ton of characters narratives in one way or another because even if the answer is is the the usual go to of like Rider 1 and his crew took care of DJ Sagara in the background of other stuff, just off to the side over there. We didn't see it. I mean, that's fine, but it also begs the question of, well, why do we have the common Rider they replaced then? We don't, we don't need him. And that kind of sucks, because, again, I'm not a fan of Gaim, but someone coming in and, like, if you are a fan of Gaim, like, if someone came to me and said, hey, you know what, Aleph? Kuga doesn't count. Like, you could take Godayusuke out of that narrative, and just and just Skyrider would come in and fix it for him. That would suck. Common Rider Forza, hey, you know, it's cool if we take out Gentaro, because Kuga would just come in and fix it. Like, well, that sucks for Gentaro. Like, Gentaro is the guy who saved the day, except apparently he isn't, because someone else could have done it just as well. There's nothing special or interesting about him. Look, I, I'm just saying, putting aside my own antipathy for Common Rider Gaim, that's a bad situation to put the audience in, man. Just tell them that it's no big thing, that maybe their favorite common Rider just doesn't count, it doesn't matter. I mean, again, I don't like Guy, but 
I'm still at Gaim Happened and it's a bad show. Not Gaim Never Should Have, like, okay, I admit Gaim Never Should Have Happened, but I'm not at Everything in Gaim Should Have Happened except the main character and we'll just have someone else fix all his messes. Okay, I did spend a large portion of this arc just like, wow, Zalame City, just not a thing, I guess. Okay, but uh, if you'll allow, maybe I can no-prize this. I mean, Kamen Rider build was pretty blatantly in its own universe from every other Kamen Rider. That was was the plot of Heisei Final, that was the end game of the show. Still, Sogo somehow time-slipped into this other universe that no longer exists. He did that in, like, the first episode of this show. So perhaps the Gaim we knew was, too, its own universe. After all, in Heisei Final, Kota was the only one that was on the same Earth that Build was on. He was the only one, like, everyone else was doing the hand on that side, and Kota was doing the one on this side. I don't know. So perhaps that was the universe Zalame was from, and it was just far enough from the wall that we couldn't see it. Everything in that on that planet was messed to heck by then anyway, so who knows? And with Build having combined that That's Earth true. into another one to make this current timeline, maybe it just didn't quite happen that way. Maybe the more world-endy parts just didn't quite make it over. You know, after all, there were members of Team Baron caught in Helheim for half a decade, and none of them were even mildly compelled to eat that fruit. Now, this this then does beg the question, what did they eat while they were there? How did they survive for anywhere between one week and five years in that forest? There used to be a lot more of them. Why was Kaito not with them looking after his dudes? Actually, we have an answer for that. It's because if they can't survive by themselves, then they're dead to him anyway. I mean, I guess the four or five of them that made it out alive are on Team Baron for life, I guess. Good for them. Yeah, woo. (laughs) Even somehow in a less garbage timeline, Gaim is still full of holes and bad morals, and as we'll get to in a minute... Kaito is just universally still a trash fire. Yeah, he sucks real bad. Like, at least... Okay, I'm not even gonna go to at least. But on, on Laser Knees, we got that hate on for Sakuya that is slowly but surely dying out, which is it's nice. a pleasant thing. But even at, even at the worst, you were just like, okay, well, I, I hate to con- like say that one thing that is bad is less bad than another thing that is also bad. But at least Sakuya is like, okay, he's he's... He's pushy and, and clearly not paying proper attention to power dynamics. But at least yeah, the, he's the thing with Sakia is Sakia was it. never a bad person. He just never really understood the concept of yeah. boundaries. Where Kaito's yeah. just a bad person. Kaito is a yeah. That banana is rotten. That is a rotten banana. Anyway, let's 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 move away from temporarily from hating on that dude and go to a thing that's going to make us happy. What time is hey, it? Soto, do you know what time it is? Heck yeah. It's 10 and 2. All right, so for those just catching up with us, this is the part of the show where we just spin out about our pet theory that Gates is the son of Omazeo. Talk about things that could relate back to that as we, we point ourselves in that direction. This arc has me wondering about Gates as some kind of temporal linchpin towards Omazeo <laughs> becoming... Omazeo or not? Is he a singularity point? Um, and 
on that note, are the Time Jackers singularity points, but also jerks. I mean, yeah, they they are both of those things. They are massive jerks. Though, I will say, since we have seen them use lots of bits of story and technology from other common writers, they have yet to bring in any explicit connections to Denno besides, you know, time travel. So having that bit of lore floating out there to attach to them. Because, I mean, he's they're kind of doing what Kai was doing. They're, they're after yeah. kind of the same thing. What leads me to this with Gates is the Time Jackers try and recruit Gates because he's trying to change the timeline. But Tsukuyomi's also trying to change the timeline and they haven't talked to her at all. And Waz is really concerned about Gates influencing Sogo, but not Tsukuyomi. Which is weird, because were there not some kind of extra relationship between our retainer, Waz, and Gates? Like, I feel Tsukuyomi really should be the bigger concern here. Because it's not like Waz doesn't know folks might try to kill Omazeo, right? Time travel exists, therefore someone's going to try and go back and kill Hitler. And, like, look, it is evidenced by the fact that Omazeo clearly exists that, well, they failed. So, a temporal assassin isn't really a threat. Someone changing his mind seems like a bigger one to me, you know? Waz actually seems to kind of like hanging out with Tsukuyomi. Like, he's willing to work with her in 12 in figuring out what's going on with two Sogos, and he kind of lets her just, like, tell him off and even yell at him about the fact that he started, like, helping the Time Jackers. Like, he just kind of takes that from her, like, they're just weird friends. He seems fairly relaxed about her is it just that he doesn't see her as a threat because her goal isn't to kill sogo or is there something more going on with her that we don't know about yet i mean i i will say it's that latter one because not to step too far into your territory because this is turf you usually hit the opening of the show does have that shot of her like running down the stairs into the middle of the time jackers and like looking around for a sec and i don't know that shot seems important to me somehow like maybe she's one of them or i've been like sitting on that piece because i'm not quite sure where it goes yet because waz definitely seems to have a connection to the time jackers swartz knows him and seeing him among them like seeing him with swartz he's kind of got the same style of clothing they do like, with all the grommets and the the weird cuts, it's just, you know, one of them's, you know, Ur is blue, or is white, Swartz is purple, Waz, I guess, would be, like, gray or black. Oh, you know, to my weird color senses, he always seems, it always looks, his coat always looks kind of green to me. It's got, like, a kind of olivey green, but I think yeah. it's, I, I, I would assume, I, I mean, gray-ish. I don't know. Yeah, um, look, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just... It's... This is the quirk of weird eyes. Yeah. It's just, I, like, green isn't the color that I'd call it. Mm. And I feel like gray is probably the, the most basic that I'd go to. But I'm not quite sure what to do with that bit in the opening yet because we haven't had Tsukuyomi interact with them at all. So it's she's still something of an enigma. Mm. And I'm just very curious as to what the narrative has in store for her, because it's clearly something. I, it had better be something, because 
this you know, maybe this isn't fair to bring into this show, but I think it is. Common writer the last couple of years has been not great about letting ladies have important things to do in in a show. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm mostly still mad about X Aid, but I'm so mad about X Aid. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Uh, let's not let's not get into that. Um, and this Such is a good show otherwise. Yeah, and th- this is maybe me reading a little too much into things. But we only see clocks set to ten and two when they're talking about gates. Oh. Like when when Waz is talking to Sogo's uncle about repairing the clock, and he's got like ten clocks behind him. None of them are at ten and two. But when he walks across the room to try and convince Sogo that he shouldn't try and get gates out of Helheim, both of the clocks behind him are at ten and two. Oh man, that's intense, actually. <laughs> Just the idea of time itself recognizing the presence, even conversationally, of the prince. Or I guess maybe just that he's talking to Sogo, but I think it's much more interesting that he's talking about Gates. About two members of the Ten and Two dynasty. Like, I don't know if that means anything. I don't know if it's intentional, but someone had to set those clocks. Yeah, that it, it's, it is an interesting background detail, if nothing else. Because, look, uh, clearly, since we're the ones who made it up, we are here for the 10 and 2 conspiracy. Yes, I am so deeply invested in this. Uh, now then, since since it is a conspiracy theory that may yet be wrong, we'll use that to... I mean, it's not, but it could be. It's not, though. Uh, let's let's get into our problems and nitpicks here. Okay, first first and foremost, this is both episodes. I The thing I hated most was just any time Kaito opened his stupid mouth. You ain't wrong, though. And, like, look, surprisingly enough, I actually enjoyed this arc. I did. Like, in... It was clever and interesting and did a lot of neat things with time travel and set up some really interesting stuff within the cast. But, oh my god, anytime Kaito opened his mouth, my brain just completely checked out. Like, he would start just saying words... And, like, out loud, out of my mouth, without even really thinking about what he's saying, just, Kaito, shut up, no one cares. No one cares what he has to say. He's not a good dynamic foil for Gates. He's not the person you want to set Gates' ideals as parallel to. Like, wasn't Kaito a dang villain for, like, two-thirds of Gaim? Something like that, basically. He was at least an antagonist. He was definitely not one of the good guys in the show. And even if they gave him some kind of redemption, which I assume they did, doesn't that mean he should still, he like, he shouldn't at this point be whining into the void about physical strength being everything, and the only way you can mean anything in the world is to be able to physically beat up every single person around you? And I guess maybe if he got a redemption that wouldn't matter because the timeline's been reset, but oh my god, he's just so boring. No, yeah, dude, he is he is awful. And and like look, I say that even as I understand why they kept that part of his character instead of tweaking it somehow for our altered timeline so that he could say a thing that was in any way not garbage. But but also I will say I appreciate that in in a meta sense they have had him as the worst guy for Gates to be listening to, because his advice is basically antithetical to most writers. He's all like, yes, with your own strength, but, I mean, 
look, doing things solo just isn't how you get anything done in in stories or after a fashion in the real world. Because, like, even if you are doing a thing on your own, you're still doing it inside of an extant system. So if one succeeds on their own in, say, the modern USA, uh, you do so because of a colossal infrastructure which has made it possible and frequently is more interesting which has made it possible for you to succeed, even as the system is frequently far more interested in extracting value from you while giving you back as little as possible. Because, look, end of the day, we can talk about with your own strength, my own hands, uh, you don't teach yourself to talk, you, you don't clothe yourself as a baby, you don't, you are powerless to feed yourself if you did everything on your own forever you would starve to death and die. Depending on how intense we want to take do it on your own, you wouldn't be born because you can't self-create yourself in a biological sense. It's just, that's just not how things work. That's not what life is. Like So everything he's telling Gates is wrong, dead wrong. And Gates could have done all those same things with the same info that Kaito intended to profit from, seeing as he was incapable of leaving Helheim under his own power. So Gates could have just, could have figured this out if he just knew, hey, there's a rift over there, and the only way to get there would be to do a wicked cool jump with your, with a motorcycle off into it, and, you know, hopefully not just pass through it and crash to a horrible painful death at the rocks below like that's that's the that's why he knows it that's how he got out of helheim and and look if if kaito is gonna be about that hyper ayn rand i do it myself nonsense why didn't he just stay in helheim because he didn't punch his way out on his own ever when when the the zippers just started coming down that wasn't that wasn't him getting out he didn't do it himself, that'd be him accepting a handout, which I'm told is bad, and because it, it's not under his own strength, so I'm just saying, uh, that entire line is a line of BS that people use to find a way to weaponize you, or take advantage of you, or otherwise profit off you. His own acceptance of a way out is proof that he does not believe what he's saying, because the other option should have been, oh, well, I'll just find my own way out, or die terribly on the other side of a dimensional rift, which, I mean, would that have been so bad for everyone else? Just saying. I just don't want him to ever open his mouth again. He can yeah, no. he can stand there and look like a hot, angry, broody man, as long as he just doesn't talk. Yeah, and look, he is a very hot, angry, broody man, and he can he, dance pretty good. He does need some I other just... clothes, though. I still hate the Team Baron uniform. I mean, I get where you're coming from. I, I kind of like them, but, you know, no, like, I, I got that goth aesthetic thing going. I feel like it's, I'd hate it silly, less but... if, like, if there weren't, like, if I didn't see, like, ten people wearing the exact same thing dancing. I mean, yeah. I think that's my problem with it. Like, at least, I mean, the, at least... the team guy uniforms at least were, like, slightly different from one another. Yeah, it was, a, it was a color thing. Like, you just, if you have this color and pattern story, that's how you show you're in the team, as opposed to Baron, where it's just, like, Koda just, uh, Kaito just showed up like, hey, what's up? This is how we're all dressing. Yeah, like, you had the, you had the houndstooth sleeves, and you had the light blue hood, and, like, the neon yellow accents, and then everything else could be kind of different. And, like, those kids were fashion disasters, but on purpose, and I kind of dug it. Mm. 
Um, also, I think several of them had clothes that were lifted from Jake from Forze, and that's an easy way to win my heart. That's how Nico did it. Mm. But just, please, Kaito, shut your mouth. Yeah, just stop, dude. Also, I don't totally understand how God Kota still exists if the timeline has been so drastically changed. Like, clearly his new Helheim on another planet, whatever, is glitched out all to heck, and it seems like he's just holding it together with his power long enough to pass on some divine wisdom to Sogo and make sure it all turns out okay. But it was a strange bit. Mm. Also, his message was, Hey, you dingus, rely on your friends. And that felt a little odd, because that's a message we got literally, like, two arcs ago. Even if here it's once again presented in the typical Gaim fashion of framing everything in terms of strength. Though I admit, since two arcs ago, rely on your friends was a message that was delivered by Takumi and Kusaka, two guys who show literally hinges on the fact that they absolutely hate each other, maybe we needed something else to reinforce it. But if that's yeah. the case, Kota and Kaito are not a better choice. No, they are not. Because they, similarly... They were never friends, and according to this arc, they never really met. And also, you know, Kaito is who he is. We just talked about it. This is a weird arc to open with, rely on your friends, even as rely on your friends is, you know, much better advice than uh, be an angry, angsty loner boy. So what the heck is with the ladies with the dolly clock masks? Like, what? What? I I confess, I was actually kind of charmed by them. Like, my, my big complaint about them for me is that we don't see them more often. It's it's a freaky it's a freaky visual. I like it a lot. Though I do agree that it is messed up to use like actual people as set dressing, but we could we could at least ameliorate that by sometimes having it be pretty dudes in weird dolly clock masks. Because they're dancing, so, like, dudes can dance. Yeah, like, I guess I just wish that they were just another group that was in competition with Baron, and that was, like, explicitly clear. That would have been sick. Because <laughs> there were a lot of weird dance groups in Zawame City, and if That's they were true. just another one, then, then fine. That's not a thing. They're just these women, these, like, grown-ass women in, like, Salvador Dali clock masks dancing in the middle of the road. Like, what? What? I, I confess. Like, I agree. The, the what factor is there. But for me, as as a, as a weird expression, a sort of, of, hey man, things are wrong around here. Like, I thought that worked a treat, actually. But I, I still see what you're saying. Fair enough, but like, get out of the road. There are cars there. I mean, y'all aren't y'all don't know time is stopped. I sort of took them as like expressions of the time stop somehow. I actually kind of want us like again, I want the I want there to be weird time dancing people all around when time stops happen. I think that'd be actually really Like look, if if that was the case, I I could get into that, but we, like we've never seen yeah, them. Yeah, no, that's true. That's that's never happened when there's been a time stop, which leads me to believe these are just people. That are doing this for some reason. Hey, look, man, performance art is a very intense field. True. So it bugged me a little bit that it took nearly a whole episode for Tsukuyomi to realize that Sogo was time-traveling by himself. Like, okay, I guess, you know, you wouldn't expect him to do that, 
because it's her time machine. Yeah, dude. Wait, wait. That a he's like the time jackers are clearly the villains, dude. You're just a carjacker. Yeah, like that's hers. You didn't ask for that. Unless he did, maybe he asked her three days in the future. And three days in the future, Tsukuyomi knows what's up. I feel like maybe she would have called her past self. Yeah. But, okay. Seriously, the whole show is about time travel, and they do it all the time. How did she not, like, realize a little sooner? It's not even like his shirt was, like, medium blue and dark blue, where maybe, like, she's like, was that what color his shirt was? I wasn't really paying attention because I- why would I pay close attention to what color his shirt was? His shirt was white and dark blue. Like, his shirts were noticeably very, very different. How did she not, like, sooner be like, wait a second, so go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, look. I will say there's a lot to be said for letting the kids at home feel clever and figure it out first. And at the same time, after a certain point, it just, it goes well out of kind of believability. Okay, you're he's a time traveler who just keeps changing clothes for reasons. And after a certain point, it's just, no, you don't have enough time, what the heck. You're changing your shirt way too much, and it's between the same two shirts. That's weird, dude. Um, related? Just, I just want to throw this out. It's been bugging me the past while, but I kept forgetting it when we make podcast notes. Soko's non-school hanging out clothes, uh, they're bad. That is a bad look. Oversized, long sleeve dress shirt and with short sleeves, and he's got those long like skater shorts. I mean, it is a look that can be pulled off. I'm not saying it's impossible, Dear listener, if that's your personal clothing choice, I'm not here to judge. Um, it can be pulled off, but that kid ain't doing it. Is this how average high school kids dress nowadays? I, I don't know. Is he even... Waz keeps telling us he's an average high schooler. We haven't seen him go to high school. That's a That boy is a dropout. Yeah, the last time we saw him go to school was during x Yeah, that was like episode two, or... I don't know if maybe, like, he's on break right now. I, f- I forget how the Japanese, like, school schedule works. Yeah, still, like, he he definitely looks... He, he's a high school dropout with a... Which, again, look, I'm not, I'm not judging. I shouldn't... Like, that's fine. But dress yourself in a manner of an adult. School's, school's bullshit anyway, but, like, he's... He's not a high schooler, then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's just a dude. Yeah, he's just a dude who needs some, like, was tell him how to dress himself. But, I mean, like, this is why Omazeo's always in the suit. Like, you can't intimidate the populace into submission with that kind oh, of fashion. You cannot. Again, again, I hate to always go back to this, but it's the Megamind principle. The thing that separates a supervillain from a regular villain is presentation. And... Whew, that kid has not figured that out yet. Which is probably for the best, because he's not really... Not for nothing, that kid ain't wowing me as a king yet. Just saying. Which, you know, good, because apparently he's very bad at it. Or good at it, depending on your point of view. He's a bad guy, though. Anyway, um, let's let's move away from that kid's just awful, awful sartorial choices, and move on to things we did like these episodes. Because, I don't know about you, Seno, I had a lot of fun. I did. I did, in fact, have a lot of uh, opening the arc with Waz trying to do his whole proclamation shtick, 
and getting repeatedly interrupted by just how absolutely bananas a Gaim transformation is was a promising sign of how this arc was gonna I mean, go. look, in fairness, it's pretty weird. <laughs> like, believe it or not, I actually really enjoyed the, like, goofy, we're weird teenagers who are rebelling against the man and doing it by doing one dance over and over. Like, those bits of Gaim I actually had a lot of fun with. And it's it's nice that this arc leaned into that. Agreed. And also that they actually did some choreography for these episodes. Like, they, I think they only had one proper dance, but that was, it was a whole different dance, which I didn't see coming. It's because, like, in Gaim, they just had that one dance, like you said, over and over, and it just, it got more boring the longer they did it. And you could feel the frustration off all of those people because they hired actual dancers. Chucky, my my heart goes out to Chucky and Rika, who are part of an actual dance troupe. And especially the girl who was playing Chucky, because any time they had her, like, in a scene, like, being a character, she looked miserable. I believe it. Although I will say, like, in fairness, I don't necessarily remember what the dance from that one dance looked like, where everyone just looked so, like, at best sad. Even when they were like, this is, this is our big thing, this is our big moment, they just, they look so sad. And on the best days, the rest of them, like you were saying about the, the girl who played Chucky, just miserable. But even if it was that same dance, like, they shot it in a way that was actually good. That would help redeem that dance. So, I'm just glad for choreography this time, you know? I also just appreciate how hard this arc went. Like, there was really... This was really good timing for an arc that didn't give any setup to its plot and just immediately started throwing a lot of curveballs and, you know, threw us right in. After ten episodes, we're on pretty solid foundation with, you know, how how we understand Zeo to work. So it was a... We were ready for a good shakeup and just to be thrown into this head first with Sogo's already got the Gaim watch and is fighting another Gaim and Gates is in Helheim and Tsukuyomi's got no idea what's going on. Everything is already at 60 miles an hour and it's jarring, which is really good to grab attention. But once you're in, it's not actually hard to keep up with what's going on. And I think that's a good sign that the show is doing its job well. Yeah, I I have to agree because, I mean, you know me, I'm a guy who was really into the first parts of Ghost because they were just a little bit too densely packed with stuff. That's that's how I go. I want to see every episode just straining to hold in all the narrative it's being asked to contain. I, I just, I like that. And when folks do it for a series that's got to be hitting on all these different beats, because, like, honestly, every episode has to get a lot of places. And for them to just do that and just, like you said, jump in at 60 miles an hour, it's impressive. And and sort of speaking of, like, I know you put it in the how does this even work box uh, earlier in the bad stuff pile, but I just, I honestly kind of love God Kota just popping in and implicitly doing some sort of weird fourth dimensional divine intervention to try and help Sogo not be garbage while also mercifully erasing himself from the time stream. I like to imagine that even Kota is happy for Gaim not to have happened. I mean, look, Gakusano's never gonna have to wear that wig again 
and God bless yeah, him. Yeah, he's got to be so happy for that, because like, that was the best iteration of that wig, and even that was like, mm, no, stop, just stop. But, like, and speaking of, and, and maybe maybe this isn't a wig, I don't actually know, um, Gakusanu does look amazing with that kind of shaggy long hair that we see him with later on. Maybe it's just that he has the charisma to carry it off. I, I don't know, but dude, dude's looking good. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's just his hair now. Nice. I know he was hanging out in Spain for a while. I don't know. Life's, life seems to have been good to the kid, and I think that's just his hair now. Yeah, right on. Good for him. Spain, though. Very nice. Because, like, look, I I always feel so bad for Gakusano when we think when I think of Gaim, because he didn't deserve that. He's actually a very good actor and a superb athlete, and it's it's nice to hear that he can treat any return to Gaim as something he like. He must want to do it, because dang, does that seem like a big break from what sounds like a nice time hanging out in Spain? Like, I don't know if I was hanging out in Spain, I probably wouldn't go back to go be garbage Kota nonsense guy. I mean, like, I don't know... I mean, I'm sure he doesn't he live there. in Spain, like, up to this, but I know for a little while, at least, he was posting on Instagram pictures of him in Spain. Cool. I, look, I'm just gonna hope that he was... that he just, like, hangs out in Spain a whole bunch, because I hear that place is just gorgeous. Uh, but I... And also, I just... I do want to say, just to drive this home... I have said some awful things about Gaim in the past, 90% of which I'm pretty sure I still stand behind. There's 10%, like, I'm pretty sure there was some nonsense in there that you could, like, throw it up at me and I'd say, like, oh, yeah, that was messed up, that thing I said or how I said it. But all antipathy for Gaim aside, I'm, I only really want the best for Gakusano. Same. I love the kid. And honestly, for the, the kid playing Kaito, because he seems like a sweet guy outside of playing Kaito... Yeah, you know, he just, he got, he got stuck with a bad character. It happens. And, yeah. So I'm getting, rolling us back. Yeah. sorry. Um, I promise that whole conversation was in the notes, guys. That wasn't a tangent. Um, but to roll us back to Zio, I do really love the scene where Waz is like, oh, well, sometimes you can fix broken things, but unnecessary things should just be discarded. And he's, you know, he's using the clock as a metaphor for Gates, and he tries to throw the clock out, and Sogo's uncle kind of catches it, and is like, no, but you don't need to throw it out, like, it can be fixed. And I know, like, he's, on the surface, it's just that he's real excited to fix a clock, but there's also this tone of, you know, Waz can't get rid of Gates so easily, and that Sogo does need him and needs, like, that relationship isn't unnecessary, even if that runs counter to the thing that Waz wants. Man, Waz is devious. I love him. Because, like, look, let's... There is there is all that stuff you're saying, but then to sort of uh, turn back the clock to ten and two, but there is that level where Omazio is gonna be so annoyed if Waz lets his kid die. Even if... He is acting in the best interests of Omazio himself. It is tough to be a retainer who might try to accidentally off the prince. Because I'm not saying this is as, like, counter-evidence. I honestly think this makes it stronger, because definitely want to just say, Hey boss, I don't know, he went time-traveling into some common Rider stuff, and <laughs> you know how dangerous that can be. Shrug! 
Not my fault, I tried. I'm sorry, your grandness. I tried to save him that he was so intent on murdering you. Don't you remember? I tried to let him leave. Because if he wasn't around you, then he wouldn't be getting in the fights and it would be fine. But Tiny you just kept insisting he come back. Like, what am I going to do? Say no to you? Because I know he's not now you, but he's then you. And you said my loyalty has to be absolute, boss. And, and I am absolutely loyal to you. But yeah, it's just also just getting back out of the, the conspiracy hole. Uh, it just, yeah, it was really nice of Waz to give Uncle the clock. I, I kind of hope we find out that Uncle is still alive in Omazeo time, and that him and Waz have had a lot of conversations, have, have had a lot of conversations about fixing up old stuff down in the dungeon. Because, by the way, Omazeo definitely keeps him alive in the dungeon, because I feel like uh, Uncle, I forget his name, I feel so bad, uh, like, Omazeo has just put him in the dungeon because dude has been fomenting revolution. It's time to fix the clock. Because, like, he's not going to kill his beloved uncle. Because he's a monster, but he's not a complete monster. But also, you can't let him just run around <laughs> causing revolutions and stuff. That's that's a terrible idea. No, of course that we can't allow for yeah, that. You, like, you can't be a king if you have to kill all your subjects because they try to stage a revolution. Also, Waz's distress in this arc from not being two steps ahead of literally everything is actually, like, really precious. Just, like, how confused and exasperated he gets when there's two Zeos, and you just see him up on that platform in the background, and he just, like, his head kind of falls back and he just leaves. Yep. It's also very interesting that even though, you know, we theorize he was one of the timejackers and he seems like he's kind of unhinged from time in general, he does seem to be kind of locked into whenever he is at the moment. Like, he doesn't have memories from time that he hasn't been in yet. Like, he has memories from the future that he came from, but he hasn't existed three days from now yet, so he doesn't know what's going on. And, you know, three days later, Sogo is using that to his advantage, because the kid is clever. He is. He is that. Which is another bit for that true neutral frightfulness that I have come to enjoy. No worry about the consequences, which is strange, given the narratives of many time travel series and, and works that I'm like, the kid has seen some sort of back to the future analog at some point. I figure, right? Has he never read a book which has time travel in it? But he, he just seems very blithe about the possibility of consequences of going back and mucking with his own history. Even though like now that he remembers doing so, having done so, so he could go and, arranged so that it happens bill and ted style but still that's like that's direct contact with himself and interfering with people in his own timeline that's generally considered to be bad form if not actually dangerous that's how sukiyomi responds to it she does mention possibly when she yells at him in 12 uh but it could have been in 11 that he could have undone his own existence somehow by doing this and the timejackers do tell Gates that altering the timeline is a crime. So I guess just everyone's out here doing time crimes, potentially at the expense of their own lives. That's pretty intense. I, I do like, 
I have to say, if that is true, which I'm going to assume it is from here on out, the idea that they're all like, well, if I do this wrong, I'll cease to exist, but the future that is Omazeo is worth it. That's, that is an extra level of, of drama that I am actually really into here. <laughs> also, um, here is a small thing that they did in Zeo that I wish Gaim would have done, uh, which is adding in those sort of ritualized kabuki stance elements. I, I, or I think it's kabuki. I don't actually know my traditional Japanese theater very well at all. So if I'm wrong there, uh, sorry, please let me know in, you know, please let me know. It's, it's cool. But I, I just, I like that addition. They did a little bit of it back in Ghost when they had Goemon, but it's a thing I find incredibly charming, generally, and would have. I think it would have done a lot for both the stage motif in Gaim and also to give Takaiwa Seiji something interesting to do if Gaim had had that sort, those sort of movements to go in with all the the you know normal slashy shooty stuff. Yeah, I'm I. I definitely agree, because um, it's it. It just looks really cool, and I loved the stage motif in Gaim, which was a motif for five episodes. They just kept moving away from it, and every now and again, you'd think they were going back to it, and then it'd just go away, and it was it was a real shame. And I think that sort of element would have done a lot, honestly. Bringing in some like Shinkenger stuff with like uh the the Kurokos would have like I think that would have been very charming if anytime they go and have a common rider fight, it just it turns into weird traditional theater kind of. But that would be so good. Oh no. I'm gonna just imagine all of like the sword slash effects. And they aren't effects. No, it's it's just a Kuroko just like moving like a ribbon or papers or things like that. Just holding up, uh, like, big explosions. I'm gonna go you one level deeper. Do it. Imagine if it was the rest of the teams that were doing that, like, the rest of the members of the team doing that. Sick! Ugh! I'm... Oh, that's too good. This is our stage. Everyone is part of the fight. Yeah, and it's... So it... Everyone is their writer's stage crew. Yeah. So it turns into... Kabuki Kamen Rider Improv Fight Theater. And I'm sorry if that combination of words did not just make you want to, like, slam your fist into something at how much you want it, you and I can never hang out. The thing that I want to slam my fist into is Gen Urobuchi's face. Uh, fair. Fair. <laughs> I just... Whether or not that has to do with Gaim remains to be seen. <laughs> I... Six of one, half a dozen yeah, of the you've other. You've seen enough of his stuff, I will trust your reactions on that. I will... I'm just, I'm so mad because the idea of everyone on the team being their rider's stage crew yeah. is so good. It's sick. Because, yeah, you could start out with the dance and then when it's time to fight, instead of, like, the little invests, no, they they just, the, the little, the little, like, fanfare goes and just, it's, it's kabuki time. Let's do this. Although I guess since they're masked, it'd be no. But still, it is traditional Japanese theater time. No spe- Like, honestly, I know they they hate spending money on special effects. Guess what? Get people to do that stuff. Old school, practical effects. Beyond old school. Like, there's no pyro here. 
there's just like some fake sakura leaves and just people holding up sign like just big drawings of explosions after the rider kick people picking up and carrying Takaiwa Seiji and doing the rider kick like that oh my god i know there would be people who would hate it and they'd probably get rid of it within the first 10 episodes but those would be the greatest 10 episodes i just uh, man i know what i know who my new fan like, fiction writer just, is like just that moment in o's when Date is doing the Tashoba jingle? Yes! Like that! It's that! That's what I want on a, just this huge scale. Or, or just, or to, to go from, also go from O's, just that bit where in the first episode, the, the belt is just singing Tatoba, and Eiji's just like, what, what is that music? And I'm just like, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. The dude who made this was super extra. Yeah. And I'm just, that would be the most extra common rider. <laughs> and and then just one last thing, so we can like pull out of that particular thing, because that that is a well I think we could just stay in forever. Uh, a tiny thing I'm I'm thankful here I'm thankful for here was when he, when Gates is talking about Omazio, though maybe this was in episode twelve, I forget. No, it would have been yeah. eleven because it's it's like the it's the, like their first conversation. That's right, yeah. But he's he's just talking about the the Overlord Zio and just Kaito just having that like uh, reaction. Oh yeah, that's right. The Overlords were the name of the second round of big bads in Gaim. That's he. But like, if Gaim didn't happen, how would he know what the Overlords? Well, I guess are? he's been living. I mean, I guess he has he has been hanging out there for five years. But like, nothing's there. Yeah, we don't we don't even see the stone the stone couch. Oh, the stone couch. Yeah, I feel like we've seen the stone couch in a different episode. Yeah, I think so too. But... Like in the con in the context of a completely different rider. Yeah, but like I God, I love that <laughs> dumbest moment. It it was I re I I maintain it's a good idea. They just boy was it not realized well at all cuz that's it just like I I understand that they were supposed to be like there was a civilization here there were people that lived here and these are like the rem this is the remnants of a home but they no one makes their couches out of yeah. like it wasn't even like the frame of a couch it was a whole it was a Flintstones couch <laughs> yes it was it was there were multiple pieces of furniture that just came straight out of the Flintstones. Oh goodness! I feel like Kota he sat did. on the couch too. I might be oh, wrong I mean, about look, that. He did. Oh god! Besides the oh. ground, and I, oh, I don't know why heart. he wouldn't sit on the ground because I bet the ground is a lot more comfortable. Uh, there's true. a lot of water yeah. in that room. I remember. I mean, like, I guess he had to sit because I don't remember the character's name. I just know he was played by Kubota Yuki Takatora. Yeah, there we go. McGee. I mean, Takatora was just <laughs> Takatora was just going on that That's whole true. spiel. He was gonna go for like an that hour. Kota might as well longer. just sit down. He is, and I mean, yeah, bless fair. him. I could listen to him read the phone book, but look, the one thing that almost got me with Gaim was Takatora. And then he came back. They came in real close. And then they screwed it up, great. and then I stopped watching, and a, I loved him. He got a baller monster form. Oh, he was so good. He was a scorpion man. Anyway, if you'll if you'll grant me this moment of self indulgence, the conversation between Sogo and his uncle about Waz was such an "I like your new boyfriend" conversation. 
Aw, he, he believes in your weird dreams about becoming king, and he brings me clocks to fix? He's a keeper, Sogo. Look, Soto, your indulgence, that's a gift to us all. It's not just for yourself. I mean, look, you ain't wrong. He's like, oh, I like your new weird boyfriend. How, where'd you meet him? Oh, uh, he's just someone who wants me to be king. Aw, uh, he supports your stupid dreams. By the way, <laughs> have I never explained to you why democracy is good? He's too busy fixing a clock to worry about that. Going into 12, like, as just before we do, I just want to say, like, man, it is... They, they've got some interesting plotty stuff that, like, I don't know that I'm ever gonna quite connect with it as hard as I do with, uh, like, Build, but... Man, they've got some cool stuff. But uh, let's let's move into the stuff we like from episode 12. The bit of Sogo, like three days later, Sogo hiding behind present Sogo and saying he didn't tell anyone what he was doing, which actually does confirm the fact that he stole that time machine because he didn't want them to yeah. get mad at him. While Tsukuyomi and Waz are like, yeah, we're absolutely mad at you. Like, that was adorable. That was adorable. Especially since it's basically just parent at that point it's just mom and dad scolding him like young man just what did you think you were doing subverting the laws of causality like that just i love that he he's out there bending space time possibly to the brink of collapse and and it's just what happens to him he just gets yelled at because after a certain point what do you what do you what do you do. Yeah. He's like, well, I didn't want you guys to get mad. Well, we're mad! Yeah, you you broke the laws of time. In fairness, you never told them to me. You know not to steal a time machine, right? I'm it's like, sorry. hey, you stole, like, you stole my car. Also, I love that they have to label the Sogos because Tsukuyomi is just so done that she's like, I can't I can't keep it straight. And I don't know why it's so hard for her, but, like, the goofiness of we need to label you two because I keep getting confused, like, that was really fun. I think, like, I'm, I'm happy to go with she's just so tired. She's been trying to help this... She's been trying to explain to this dude for, let's see, 12 episodes why he should care about other people outside of they are his a potential pool of servants or subjects and he's just he's not been getting it she's I, I don't blame her for being done and also like besides that i'm guessing she's just all she really sees when she looks at him is not so much like the colors or anything but again the fact that the kid cannot dress himself given how good she always looks because i like it takes a lot to make a cape like that work she does it yeah so you gotta imagine her dress sense is is just through the roof, and she's just every time she looks at him, it's just it's just Sogo's face, and then just everything else is just blurred out with the word disaster written on it. So adding the sign just means disaster present, disaster future. That that way it, it makes it a lot easier because it's just again that he just. That is not a flattering thing. I and I know that eventually, in the near future, like honestly at the time of this recording and by the time it comes out, he will be meeting Common Rider Decade. And look, Sukasa knows how to dress himself. 
I mean, Sukasa's legs also go on for a literal decade. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason they call him Legs McDouchebag. But yeah, he is he's a snazzy dresser. Also, uh, he, the show he's in, uh, in the Garo side, uh, the, the new Jenga series, quite good. There's some interesting... Good for him. What's that? Good for him. Yeah, he's doing some interesting stuff and also showing off that he is actually an amazing actor because he's getting to do that uh the the speech from spider-man slash the golem thing where like he's talking to himself and you just sort of you'll see these little shifts in body language and facial expression and he goes between good jenga and evil jenga and it's so seamless but also like one side (laughs) there's good Click. Now he's bad. Masahiro Inoue is a very good actor, is what I'm saying. And I'm going off on all these tangents. I am so sorry. Anyway, kid can't dress. Um, moving on. So I didn't anticipate being on board with this. It, it was actually something that, like, in my head I was kind of dreading. But I'm actually really interested in Waz's shift toward working with the Time Jackers. Mm-hmm. And I think what works for me about it is that... The conversation with Swartz establishes that Waz does have a history with them, and that it is not pleasant. There is bad blood there, and no one's really looking to fix that. No, I mean, and look, why should they? Waz is still that guy who did that thing. He knows what he did, and is pretty unapologetic about it. (laughs) Something tells me, like, the bad blood was... Hey, man, you signed on with him. We were supposed to, like, make him no longer the king. Uh, sorry, suckers. I signed on with the winning team. And they just, middle finger. I'm still pretty sure that it's just like, okay, we're all gonna go after people we want to be king. And he's like, I want that one. And they're like, mm, no. He's, he's already he's like, king, no. though. No, no, even before that. Oh, could be. Like, like, I feel like this is something they've all been at for a while. And Waz was just like, I'm going to do that one. And they're like, we don't think that's a good idea. And he's like, nah, I'm going to do it. And he won. Yep. And they're like, that's not the one we wanted. We all didn't agree on this. Waz, you're out of the club. He's like, well, my club won. Yeah. Uh, So. Hey, guys, you have a better idea? Win. Fight me. (laughs) Time fight me. Um, Also, just, I, I enjoyed the thing where they're they're happy to work with him though because not happy willing willing to work with him because look sogo is starting to go a little far afield and his cohorts seem intent on stymieing waz's attempts to make the king into the king like the king they know so you know why not team up with them for a sec because they are good at doing time murders even if everyone's purposes are kind of at a at a impasse especially since hey maybe if they kill the prince that'll throw off dear old dad in the future and weaken his grip on on this timeline right i don't know maybe like it's just i really like that it's a partnership entirely of utility and everyone is pretty vocal about expecting the backstabbing which i i don't have words for how much i like that kind of villainous team up because there's no, like, hey, we're all friends here. Oh, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. It's just, oh, you're going to betray us now. And then that's either followed by, 
yeah, this would be the good time to do it. Make it quick. Alternately, oh, that was a bad time for you to try and betray us. Now it is I who do the stabbing. And I just, that's fun. It's an extra tension. And also we don't have to pretend. Because I always get annoyed when they're like, hey, here's an obvious situation where there's going to be a betrayal, but we're going to act like everyone believes that this is this is, this is a, on board. Like, no. Also, whoops, sorry, I love weird 2018 Kota just being this dude who drops oranges out of windows and has weird hair and just is this nice, happy dude having his job and living his life and enjoying himself and having a good time. He just looks so healthy and happy and not caught up in a bunch of stupid junk. You know, just... Happily enjoying life with his box of fruit and also a pine cone, because there was a pine cone rider. I did not notice the pine cone, but yeah, I, I very much agree, because just let that part-time fruit bar employee do his job, and maybe dance sometimes, and never have to go and, like, just sit by the river and, and think about what it all means, man. Like, don't, let's not restore this timeline. Let him be chill. Let another, let another guy... Stick around, it's fine. I know you need the guy ultimate power or whatever, but it's fine. <laughs> Let another guy in I there. I do I do wish there had been more fruit in the box because it was just oranges, grapes, and a single pine cone. Yeah. Uh which is a little weird and it, it, you know, there were a lot of other fruit. It, so it probably would have been hard like cause the uh what is the spiky fruit that they made one of them out of? Those are rare. Uh, dur durians. Durian. Yeah, they're, they're hard to come by. I'm guessing... I don't think they're as hard to come by in Japan. Oh, okay. I just like to think that they just went down to, like, the local grocery store. It's like, okay, oranges and what other fruit do we got? Uh, that... <laughs> That and that. Like you could have at least you could have at least put some bananas in there so you had the three like main dudes. Yeah. I feel like the pine cone was a weird choice. Well, I mean there was the the pine cone dude. No, I know. But you're like you're only going to represent three riders in this box and one of them is going to be the pine cone. <laughs> I mean, I know the pinecomb was Hase, and that was a big turning point for Kota, but also that was bad writing, and it was stupid. And, like, him and Kota weren't friends, and I'm not gonna go on this. I'm not gonna do it. Even though that's a thing I have a lot of feelings on, because he was more upset about the fact that Hase was killed by someone else than the fact that he got rat hurt, and he never apologized for that. But okay. Anyway... I would kill a man for the tiny watermelon arms watch. Like, I have had this for a day, and if anything happened to him, I would kill everyone in this room and then myself. That is, like, it is absolutely precious, which is saying a lot because I hated the watermelon robot in Gaim. I hated that thing. But the, just the little watermelon robot? Yeah, dude. Like, the little, the little watermelon wide watch, wide, ride watch robot that's like... Three inches high, that is precious. And the only problem with it is now I'm mad that we don't have a Forze, a Forze gimmick toy watch because Burger Meal would have been incredibly easy. Oh, yeah. Same shape and everything. I mean, like look, we, we got that hawk from O's and now the melon from Gaim. Like, yeah, give us give us Burger Meal. Maybe they're waiting until they get Sota Fukushi in for a proper appearance later on. Or maybe they just don't have that uh, that McDonald's sponsorship anymore, and they're just they're pouting about it. It's just like and like I don't even really like Burger Meal that much. 
We we all know where my heart is as far as the the food droids go. But burger meal would have been so easy. Yeah, no, it's right there. Also, I, I absolutely love every second of the scene of them trying to hide that there's two Sogos from his uncle. Because, again, just all of the goofy stuff in this arc is so good and fun. And it's placed at a really good time to be able to take a breath during this really hectic arc. Mm-hmm. And the whole mimed conversation between the two of them and Tsukuyomi is absolutely hysterical and i'd absolutely recommend going back and pausing it to read the whole thing because it goes by quick and they both have kind of big blocks of text as to why they shouldn't have to leave yep but it's it's really funny seriously like the comedy in these episodes was just on point off the chain some other idiom about it's real good uh, which is impressive honestly given how forced a lot of that comedy should have felt like if you were to describe when the comedy happens i'd be rolling my eyes and they sold it every time and they also did it a whole lot better than all of the funny please imagine me just doing massive air quotes editing they did to in gaim proper to try and you know drive home that hey this was a joke like i'm i'm always happy when they bring back visual motifs from the series they're doing they're they're sort of riffing on i'm glad they didn't bother with that in this okay so the split screen of the present and future zeo transforming into the gaim armor like where you know one of them is in the real blue light and one of them's in the real like orangey light and you can see like the the way the detail is different but it's got this perfect scene down the middle that isn't emphasized, but you can see it. Mm. And then, you know, they they have the cuts around Waz as he claims about it. And then having the two Sogo's actions mirroring each other. Like, it was all so cool. There was so much gorgeous stuff there, yeah. Yeah, and like, there was just... I know how much effort and work goes into that sort of thing. And, like, the fact that it had such an a good flow and rhythm. Like, it was just so nicely done. And it was a scene that could have been really tedious if there had been a misstep in how it was put together. Yeah, agreed. The whole, the whole team did some next-level work there. Like, I'm gonna congratulate Mori Nobuhiro by name here, because, yeah, he's the director. I think this is where he starts to get credit, but I do want to say he's also, like, the only person whose name we really know on that side of things and there's there is clearly a lot of people besides him who are probably responsible for all the the cuts and the framing and whatnot but that was flippin' sick though like never have i wanted to rejoice at the at the king getting anything because i remain a staunch anti-monarchist but yeah dude it was so good i'm i'm really glad whenever they find time and reason to make sure the visual presentation is more than just, hey, let's just look at the guy. It was so good. Yeah. So one one last bit. Gates coming back with, uh, like, he comes back and he's like, I brought the chicken that you asked for from, like, the beginning of the last arc. That was actually really sweet. And, you know, the, the whole scene betrays his, like, no, really, I'm here to kill you. I just, I just want to be here so I can know when to do it. Like, he knows 
that's not why he's here. And he knows this whole situation isn't as black and white as he thought it was when he came here. He's doing a lot of lying, especially to himself, and it's really nice to see him, like, it's nice to start seeing the cracks in the armor, because he he wants to be like, I've, I've got to do this, I've, the future is horrible, and now he's like, but he's not a bad guy. This Sogo isn't a bad guy, and I can't just do it. Yeah, I can't murder this baby, which is good, because you shouldn't murder babies. Like, baby Hitler, make him not be... I've had this rant, sorry. Just, yeah. And it's it's those lies that you tell yourself that are often the hardest to see past, especially when you have someone like Kaito just sort of putting poison in your ear, putting you in a logic trap where you think that the only way to be true to myself is to be this awful person. And I look forward to him moving past Kaito's nonsense with some kind of quickness because that is some, frankly, fascist recruitment tactic they they'll start you you know they'll they'll frame things in a really ugly way so that you they don't even have to get you in you bring yourself in because you've bought into how they view the world and that's step one baby vicious vicious horrible i kaito really is just the worst isn't he he really is um but before we just start going off on how much that guy is just such a banana that is so rotten um, let's move on to our new suit roundup, because had a couple new suits, gotta talk about them. Uh, first up is our, the Zeo Gaim armor. I actually think this looks really neat. Like, even the big shoulder locks don't really bother me as much on this as the big, like, gimmick shoulders do on other ones. Because on a suit that's supposed to invoke, like, really ornate, intimidating samurai armor, that kind of works. And there's just something about the big, like, orange slice mantis arms that just really do it for me. I It surprises me to no end, but I really like that. Like, honestly, the moral of the story is that they can't make orange arms look bad. I, I confess, I, I was just sort of seeing them as, like, weird orange wings that I hated. But now you call them mantis arms, I, that actually makes it a lot easier to take, because that's... Because, honestly, without them, and now thinking of them as, like, mantis arms, just to sort of help add the, the additional bit of insect theming, I, I can take the whole thing a lot better now. But even without them, I, I do have to say, it is one of the better uh, rider armors. I, I don't know that I'd call it good, but it is one of the better ones. I still have my beef with the with the whole Zeo look, but that's neither here nor there. And and honestly, it makes sense that it'd work as armor in this form, because textually, Gaim is, is a common Rider only in the title of the show. Inside Common Rider Gaim, he was always an armored rider. So, you know, it, it's logical. It makes sense that his armor would be armor and work as armor. Um, but moving on from that to another guy. I absolutely love another guy. That's right. I love... You- Darn right you do. I love Gaim as this grimy, monstrous samurai armor animated purely by rage. I love that, like, the dividing details look very organic and plant-like, which, you know, he's a Gaim that's been overcome by Helheim and has given into it. And just, like, the worn gold and bronze on top of the dark blue, like, that looks superb 
they cannot make orange arms look bad. Uh, clearly, clearly they cannot, because, yeah, hot tank do I also love another guy. Big surprise, I know, since we've been pretty on board with most of the another rider suits, but hot dang, because on top of all that stuff you were mentioning, I also like that the 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 another rider grimace that he's got works so well because it's it's built into a faceplate looking thing, which of course makes it evoke some of those old samurai armors, which yeah, that only helps what they're going for of this weird monstrous plant samurai demon man thing. It's, for all my feelings on Gaim, Orange Arms is one of my favorite common Rider suits. I adore Orange Arms. And I'm just, I'm so glad that both takes on Orange Arms are so good. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see Gaim get some kind of do where, like, we can watch, like, I can watch it and not be like, and not be reminded of how unpleasant I felt the experience of watching the series was. But in... Yeah, really the only parts that are like that are when Kaito opens his mouth. Yeah. And even then I'm just like, well, there's the rest of the ship. Thankfully there's the rest of the episode, so we're good. Which, it's it's nice, because watching Gaim, that didn't happen very often. I, I, uh, I have so many... It's not even complex feelings. I just I feel really bad for busting on a show this much because so much of Gaim's problem just seems to be incompetence or or a lack of cohesive vision. That's much less judgmental. A lack of cohesive vision, which depending on the day is a whole lot better than drive. Just like oh no, we are dedicated to our vision and our vision is awful. Boy, I hope we don't, don't do a drive know. episode. Still... That's going to be tough. I still find Gaim to be the worst one. Oh, look, I'm not. I'm honestly. I, I on feel the day. like there, in in individual episodes of Drive, there were things that had merit, mm. and there was just nothing in Gaim with any merit. Fair, fair. I mean, I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not gonna that's, tell you what. That's that's where I am with it. Yeah, which is totally good. Um. So then, uh, do we have any final thoughts before we sign off? Next arc is. Good, good boys, as far as the eye can see. And also one that's a huge jerk. Yeah, but is somehow also a good, good boy. Somehow. He does it. Yep, he's he's just that good. He can be your angle, or you are Diebel. Anyway, uh, for the Uncommon Cast RX and the rest of the TOLL Network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sana. And don't get kicked by a horse and die.